Life's a cycle. Have you ever gotten to feel that you just wanted to quit? Have you come to the place where life looks hopeless to you and you can't even imagine things getting better? Have you ever just wanted to die? Have you ever had suicidal thoughts? Has death looked welcome to you as an easy escape? Well, let me tell you, death is not an escape. Death is a confrontation with God. People that commit suicide are very unwise because as soon as they do that, they stand in judgment in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is not going to help them. You can't run. There's no place to hide. You can't run. What you need to do is get right with God, repent of your sin, and let him wash you. Let him fill you. Let him remake you and help you. Then you don't want to run. You want to do his will. But if you've had those feelings that I mentioned, you're not alone. You're in somewhat of a famous company. Uh, some mornings you have a clear head and a healthy body, don't you? Some days everything you do it just seems like it turns out right. I've had those days. I mean, just everything I did turned to gold. Uh, you feel one with the world. Uh, you get prepared. Everything works out. Well, where you're at in life is, have you ever been on, how many here have ever been on a roller coaster? Raise your hand, come on. How about most of you? Well, you know on that roller coaster ride, they start you out and they go that's and then when you get to the top of that first hill, that's where you're at when you feel real good. But what you'd realize, well, maybe now maybe you're young, you don't realize this, you older people know this. Shortly after that tick, 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 you're gonna go scream, scream, scream. You drop off the cliff, don't you? A similar would describe life, somewhat describes life. Your body has cycles of growth and recession and recovery. Now, we have a couple, we have a veterinarian doctor here, we have a medical doctor, and there's some others that know about it, nurses and things that are in this auditorium. You know the body, the body has abilities to cycle. You have cycle growth, cycle recession. I am an inch shorter than I used to be. Amazing. The economy has cycles, right? You people live very long. You know you have high cycles, low cycles. You have recession. We talk recession not because it might come. It will come. It's just when will it come? We had a 15 year, fifteen years of growth here a while back. That was the longest period, if I remember right, longest period of growth in the history of the American economy. Normally you have a recession cycle earlier than that, sooner than that. About every seven, eight years you have a recession cycle. We had one in 1968, we had one in 1973, we had one in 1980. Well, you count the years. We had, we had a couple more, three or four more after that. Uh, they bothered me, I don't know about you, but I likened to starve to death in 1973 when that one hit. Farming, people that are farmers, man, Brother Tom Gillespie's raised on a farm. You know a farmer's subject to cycles. I mean, you have boom crop years where you got a hundredfold and woo, everything's right. You got the right amount of rain when you needed it. 
And then you have the year when it rains during harvest, wheat harvest. Or you get a fire, burn all the crop out. Wheat is very vulnerable when it gets ripe and ready to pick for fire. So you have farming, you have boom years and lean years. And you fishermen out there, they call it fishing, not catching. Because you go fishing sometime. I've been to Okeechobee. I fished Okeechobee twice a month for 15 years. And uh, I can tell you that there would be days in Okeechobee, no matter what you threw out there, you were going to get some. I mean, it was just a bass every cast. One time I took my mom and dad and I said, watch this. I'm going to catch one in this cast. I threw out there and caught a bass. I said, watch this. I caught another bass. Fifteen casts in a row, 15 bass. They thought I had some sort of magic. It was just they were biting on anything that moved. Then I've gone out there and I counted them. I cast 600 times and never got a lousy bite. Fishing is cyclical. It has up days. It has down days. It has good days. It has bad days. It has fruitful time where woohoo! And it has times where you wonder why you spent the money and put the gas and wasted your time. Your physical life is very similar to this. It has high times. You feel good? One to ten, how you feel? Well, you may say, I feel ten today. Well, you'll feel two someday. you have a two-day and a one-day and a six-day and a five-day and a seven-day and a three-day. You're going to go all over the map. Now, you all know that, right? You all lived a while. You know that. You know you have cycles like that. Well, then you should understand what I'm going to preach about today, and it should help you, even though you understand it, it'll help you because it's right out of the book. Turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 7. What Trish said about hymns, I say amen to, by the way. Hymns will help you when you need it. If you learn these hymns we sing, you learn them, you put your mind to it, the book that we don't normally sing out of a book now, but... Our book's got these hymns. That's where they come out of. Uh, get that book. You, you want to buy one of those books? Or if you don't have the money, we'll give you one. Learn them hymns. Sing them hymns. When you're in trouble, you'll need them. Those are good, good hymns. In, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote it. Somebody asked me the other day, if Solomon was so wise, why did he have so many wives? When it came to that, he was dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, that old boy got deceived. It tells you the wisest man in the world can be deceived by his what? Lust. He was wise, but he had a lot of lust. And his lust drew him into wicked sin. And in the end of his life, he was horrible. He ended up horribly. Solomon ended up horrible. Much, much worse than David ever did. He, he, but even though he was a wise man. So wisdom isn't the only thing that will hold you out from sinning. You have to have spiritual power to overcome your lust. So anyways, in Ecclesiastes, he wrote this, and it is true. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 1 through 7, describes aging, describes getting old. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Now, I, I read that when I was 18 years old, 18 years old, younger than Kayla, younger than Nicole. I was 18 years old, and I read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to test you. I'm going to remember you. Remember means to follow, obey, 
to be occupied with. Remember, remember me. Keep me in mind. So I said, 18, I'm going to try this. Now, I'm 18. I only got one shot through life. If this is wrong, I'm really going to regret this. I'm really going to regret it. I've never regretted remembering Jesus, remembering the Bible, remembering God in my life. It's not a thing you regret. It just gets better with time. Better. Name me something that gets better with time. Oh, Christ will get better with time. The Bible gets richer with time. Sweet. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. That's some great advice. Then he goes on to describe what happens if you don't while that while the word while you could say before the evil days come not while the evil days come not before they come nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say I have no pleasure in them. My dad was in hospice. Yeah, the doctor said he had a week to live, and uh, he was a depression. He was raised in depression, and they had it real hard in depression. So he knew what it was to do without. And he uh, was in, in hospice. He was very lucid. And he said to me, he said, I never, it's interesting. He said, son, I got all the money that I need to buy all the steak that I could buy, but I don't want it. The evil days. Those were evil days. Those evil meaning bad days. Evil doesn't mean wicked always in the Bible. It means bad sometimes, just bad day. And here he had all the money. He, he said, I could buy all the steak. I could have ribeyes later, but I, I don't want them. Before the evil days come, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And what, what Solomon's doing here and what the Holy Spirit's doing through Solomon is giving us a heads up that there are some days coming that are going to be bad, real bad. To, to the place that you have no pleasure. You don't even want to be in that day. You don't want to be awake in that day, but you are. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Oh, I'm never going to get down. You're lying to yourself. You're going to get down. While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars be not darkened or the clouds... I've been, I read a commentator on these descriptions. The clouds, he could have been talking about cataracts, return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house, they believe that to be the arms and hands, because they keep your house, they bathe you, take care of you, hold you from falling, shall tremble. In the last year, my left hand has started to tremble. I, I've got, I got the shakes. I used to see old people with the shakes. Now I is one. Uh, you go to a doctor and they say, oh, we know what that is. That's called old age tremors. That's what they told my brother. That's what they told me, old age tremors. I got them, man, and my hand will just sit there and want to shake. Now my left foot's starting to do that. I know you wanted to know that. And the strong men, that's your legs, shall bow themselves, and the grinders, that's your teeth, cease because they are few. They didn't have good dentistry back then. And those that look out of the windows, that's your eyes, be darkened. Okay, take away these glasses. Not every, back in Solomon's day, they didn't have these. Do you know how blurry you people are right now? I mean, you guys are just, abs I almost can, I can distinguish you, but not hardly at all. But I talked to my wife the other day, it wouldn't have been for modern technology, 
I, I, 45 years old, I couldn't read without glasses. I'd have been without that ability or I'd have had to get to print like Paul real big to read or I wouldn't be able to read at 45 years old. And it's gotten worse since then. I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. <laughs> I'm coming, just hang in there. When it says, and the door shall be shut in the streets, that's your ears, when the sound of the grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird. Sleeplessness. You lose your hearing, and you become sleepless. A lot of old people have trouble sleeping. I'm up four or five times a night. Call me anytime. I'm up. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. That means you're just hearing, your hearing's gone. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is, which is high, fear of heights. You shouldn't be getting up on a ladder after 65 years old. You should probably not be getting up on ladders after 65 years old. Now, that's supported by statistics of how many people fall off ladders when they get old. And the fear shall be in the way. In other words, they just have anxiety. I've had, since I've gotten older, I've had bouts of anxiety. This is like reading my life here. The almond tree, which is a white flower, which is means your hair turns white. Not me, but your hair turns white. That's the almond tree. It's a white flower. It says, well, the almond tree shall flourish. In other words, your gray hair shall grow. Oh, yeah. And the grasshopper shall be a burden. I looked that up, and it says the grasshopper is wounded. They just kind of drag themselves along. And the desire shall fail. That's sexual desire. Thank God for that, by the way. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, that monkey's off my back. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loose. It, commentaries agree that that is the spinal cord. And the golden bowl, that's your brain be broken, or the pitcher, that's your heart, be broken at the fountain of the wheel, or the wheel broken at the cistern. That, that's describing the heart, the cardiovascular system. And all of that stuff begins to fail. All of that begins to break until the point where verse 7, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. Your body will leave you. Now this is important. This is 1,000 B.C. They knew that you were not your body. Get it? You're not your body. You're in your body. You're living in your body. Your body's a tabernacle. It's like driving your car. You're not your car. When you go home, you jump in your car and drive home. You're not your car. You get out of your car when your car breaks and your car won't run anymore. You get out of your car. And when, when all of this junk begins to fail, your eyes and your ears and your your head and your spine and your all of your stuff begins to go bad and break. eventually you're going to have to get out of your body. Because look at that last place in the Bible there. And the spirit shall return to God who gave it. You will never cease to exist. Saved or not saved. The question is, where will you exist? 
in heaven with God or in hell with the devil? The devil, the beast, and the false prophet and everybody else who followed them. You're never going to cease to resist. That's not what this sermon's about, and I can't go any further. But if you want to look further, you can go to Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 through 11 as additional proof that death is not a cessation of consciousness. There's people who want to teach that. It's wrong. It's not, not Bible-supported. Bible the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So you asked me the question, did men of God in the past ever get the feelings of despair as you just described? Yes! I'm going to give you three examples. Number one, Moses. The greatest example I could give you would be Moses. Moses lived 40 years in Egypt as a prince of the Pharaoh's court and learned to be somebody. He lived his second 40 years in the wilderness and learned to be nobody. He lived his third 40 years leading God's people out of Egypt and learned to be somebody who thought he was nobody and that God was everybody. He is the single most prominent man in the Old Testament. If you go to a Jewish individual, uh, Abraham's big, and he's, he's big in the, in the Old Testament, but it'll be Moses that they talk about. It'll be Moses. He's the number one biggest, most well-known, most famous uh, man in the entire Old Testament, Moses. Uh, most of us, uh, Moses talked face-to-face with God. Nobody, nobody had any access like Moses has had. He was, he was with God 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't, he didn't drink water, eat food. He was supernaturally preserved. Came down, his face shone. He had some of the glory of God on him. They made him put a veil over his face because it bothered him. Why did it bother him? Unholy. Unholy. Holiness always bothers unholiness. Think about it. Holiness always bothers unholiness. Why do you think... There's such a group of people in America that want to get rid of us Christians, us conservatives. They want to get rid of us because we bother them. I heard a report said if the conservatives win in November, uh, Christian conservatives win in November, I'm going to move to Canada. And I'm saying, don't let the door hit you. And Canada, poor Canada, what a leader they got. He was a chosen vessel of God. He is the most revered personage in the Old Testament, revered, revered, revered personage in the Old Testament. What happened? Moses got depressed. Moses got deeply depressed. He got, he got past depressed. He got despondent. He got defeated. He, he flat out wanted to quit. And we're talking a man who spent 40 days, 40 nights with God who got the Ten Commandments, brought them down from the mountain, who got to see the, the ten greatest miracles ever performed on earth, probably. What? Yeah, let's read it. Numbers chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. Numbers 11, 14 15 says, here's what he said to God. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal this with me, kill me. I pray thee out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. I'd say he was down. What do you think? 
I'd say that boy was down. I mean, he's telling God that. He said, I've had it. I want to quit. I can't take it anymore. You got a poochy lip. I can't take it anymore. I want to quit. Kill me. So Moses got down. Elijah got down, another great personage of the Old Testament. Elijah was considered to be many of the greatest of all the prophets in the Old Testament. John the Baptist came in the power and the spirit of Elijah, the Bible says. Elijah is recorded, his life's recorded 1 Kings chapter 17 through 2 Kings chapter 2. Elijah is best known for stopping rain for three and a half years on Ahab and his crew, also for slaying the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove, calling lightning down from heaven and picking up in the contest he had, who's the real God here? You all remember that, Mount Carmel. And after this, he had a revival. After this revival and a superpower demonstration of God, a little woman, a little fragile woman, writes a hate letter to him and causes him to backslide, run to Beersheba like a, like a, like a, like a little girl. Let me give you the four steps in Elijah's demise. Number one, he looked at the circumstances. Jezebel wrote him a letter and says in 1 Kings 19.2, that's where we're going to be at, 19.2, we're going to be 2, 3, 4, and 10. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah and said, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them, the ones he killed, those priests of the grove and priests of Baal, by tomorrow about this time. Now, wait a minute. God had used Elijah for three and a half years to stop the rain. He used Elijah to, to uh, call fire down from heaven and devour the uh, animal on the altar, the actual stones of the altar, the water around the altar, and everything in front of sight of everybody. He, he used Elijah to, to eliminate the worship of Baal in the groves, which is a false religion, and, and to wipe out, uh, wipe out uh, 850 prophets of Baal in the groves to really cleanse the land of that wickedness. And a little woman... Jezebel writes a letter to him and says, I'm going to get you. Man, if I'd have run every time a little woman told me they were going to get me, I'd have been long out of here. I'm going to get you. He runs. But number one, his problem was he looked at his circumstances. Quit looking at your circumstances and look at the God of your circumstances. Get it. This will save you. This will help you tonight. This is, this is good stuff this morning. Quit looking at your circumstances of life and look at the God of your circumstances. You may have some news this week that will knock you off your feet. Quit looking at your circumstances and look at the God of the circumstances. Uh, you may have been told that you got a few days. Look, quit looking at your circumstances and look at the God of the circumstances. My God is powerful. My God's arm is not shortened that it cannot save. It's the same God that Moses worshipped, the same God that Abraham worshipped, the same God that made Adam and Eve, the same God that will be here in the Revelation 19 and come with power. It's the same God. Second thing he did, he didn't exercise faith. He, he went from trust to fear. He let fear overwhelm him. Hey, we all going to have fear. There's going to something come in your life, create fear. We could have an economic collapse. Uh, Biden could win the next election. 
uh, you could have something horrible happen. Uh, you know, and, and, and the whole thing looks like it's going to collapse. They could, they could change our money out for Bitcoin. They could do all kinds of crazy stuff out there. They're thinking about all of that. They're making plans for all of our demises by the grace of God. They won't have it happen. But if it does, our God never has changed a bit. He still controls the world. He still has got it under control. nothing out of control. Have faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your paths. Do you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, of a grain of sand? Do you have enough faith just to hang on to that by the grace of God? Well, big old Elijah, he didn't. He fell off the edge. He looked at his circumstances. He went off in unbelief. The third thing we find, he had a pity party. A pity party. That's 1 Kings 9, 4. It says, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life for I am not better than my father. He had him a pity party with only him. He made, his, he made a cake for himself with one candle. Nobody blew it out. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll just eat worms. Now, I'm making a little bit of fun of that, but we all have pity parties. Yeah. Preacher hadn't shook my hand in three Sundays. Be happy, I'll probably get you sick. Preacher never recognized me, and I've been working, cleaning the toilets here for 25 years. He never said thank you. God will say thank you. Who are you working for? Now, that doesn't mean Lytel shouldn't tell you thank you. But if light hell fails you, God will not fail you. He had a pity party. And the fourth thing that happened to him in, in verse 10 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, he said, I have been very zealous, he told God, for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword. All that was true. But this last part was not true. He said, I, even I, only am left. I'm the last Christian left. Nobody wants to serve God anymore. Nobody wants to do this anymore. Nobody wants to do that anymore. And he said, they're coming to take my life away. He got depressed. He went in the hole. He went in the hole. So he had, he looked at his circumstances, which led to his unbelief, which led to his pity party, and finally dropped him in the hole of depression. And he just didn't even want to live. He didn't even want to move. He just said, I am alone. And what did God tell him? Stop it. That's not in the Hebrew. He said, I've got 7,000 people haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. You're not alone. 
you're depressed this morning, you're not alone. It will pass. I agree with you that it's not a it's not a very good companion. Depression is not a very good companion. But you will, I'm pretty sure of this, that you will go through some times in life of deep depression. Don't go to the drugs. Don't go to the mind mood changing drug. Don't don't go to the doctor and ask him to give you a pill. Go to God and ask him to help you endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And help him and, and, and tell God and, and, and go to God and say, I'm gonna memorize some scripture. Make it make the depression drive you to the Bible. I look at some of you people, I know some of you people aren't right reading you're you're just you're casual just touching a little bit of the Bible here and there. You're asking for it. Because in the day of depression, you're going to need the Bible. I know what I'm talking about. In the day of depression, you're going to need the hymns of the faith that she talked about, which are full of Bible. In the day of trouble, you're going to need it. I'm not up here telling you to read the Bible because I want you to spend 72 hours of your year with God, as if that's a bad thing. I know I'm mean, taking 72 hours of YouTube away from you. 72 hours of surfing around the internet away from you. And what good does that do? Depression. Then I got the third case is Paul. I got five minutes. Paul. 2 Corinthians 1.8. For he said... In 2 Corinthians 1 he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of trouble, our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Despair is actually, I think, even beyond depression. It's a despairing of life. Don't want to live anymore. He said, The great apostle Paul, now, he had done many miracles. He was directly educated by Jesus Christ himself, one-to-one. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He knew the Old Testament by memory. Uh, he, he, he had seen, and he'd seen people saved. He got down. He said, we came, we came, we, were, we got down. We got pressed out of measure above our strength. And we settled into a, a, a sense of despair, depression. Don't be surprised if you get depressed. Go back and analyze why you're depressed. I looked at the circumstances. I fell in a sense of unbelief. I had a little self-pity party. And no wonder I feel so bad. Get up, shake yourself, go to God, say, and start getting in some Bible verses that have some real encouraging meat to them, like, like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that I just quoted, and quote them and go over them and say, Though you slay me, yet will I trust in thee. 
I'm going to memorize his scriptures. I'm going to read your book. And if it's your will, God, to leave me in this horrible state, I'm just going to stay in this state until you come and help me. Trust me, God will come. God will come and pull you out of it. Even postpartum. Or is that postpartum? No, postpartum. Yeah, he'll take you out of it, pull you out of it. And you can have victory. I like, the, I like this statement. It's not a biblical statement, but I like the statement. It's never despair. But if you do, work on in despair. I love it. I love it. Don't throw your hands up. Don't, don't go there. If you despair, never despair. Don't despair. We don't have any reason to despair, but if you do, just keep working on in despair because pretty soon it'll pass. I like the Bible. These things came to pass. These things came to pass. It's not going to stay with you. It'll pass, and you'll be delivered by the grace of God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And it's not always the devil, though, we're talking about. We're talking the flesh itself. The body we live in is so constructed with the corruption that has been given it by the curse that it falls into these patterns of anxiety. There was a night, look, I'm, I'm, just, I'm confessing stuff to you. About a year or so ago, I came to my wife and I said, I want you to come to bed with me. I'm scared. I'm scared. Fear came over me. Fear came over me. Unexplainable. No logic to it. No reason for it. But I had fear like you could feel it. I said to my wife, I want you in the room. I need you in the room. I need somebody in the room. And I went to bed and laid down. She stayed there for a while and I went to sleep. And it went. It passed. I've had that over and over, different times. Comes fear. It's the cycle of life. Where does it drive me? To God. And so I can say thank you, Jesus, for fear if it drives me to God. Thank you, Jesus, for depression if it drives me to God. Thank you, Jesus, for whatever you send my way that keeps pushing me back to you because you're the way, the truth, and the life. Father in heaven, help us this morning. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know where this evening's going to go. But I pray it go to the people you want it to go to and help them. And God forbid that anybody commit, anybody that even contemplating suicide, they'd turn away from it and turn to God. Instead of turning to suicide, turn to God. Instead of turning to drugs, turn to God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.